Merry Christmas season, everyone. Welcome back to the Spooky Soup podcast. I'm Jesse. And I'm Tessa. So I have the Reddit stories today. I have three of them. Woohoo. I can't wait to hear them. Three good ones. And uh, you have the historical story today, right? I do. Awesome. Awesome. Do you have anything before we get started? Only that we saw Thanksgiving again. Even though. (laughs) My third time seeing it. (laughs) My second time. (laughs) And it's past Thanksgiving, but I'm still in the Thanksgiving spirit. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. Uh, For those who have seen it, you get it. Uh, But they... uh, Eli Roth, the director, he came out and said that there will be a sequel in 2025. So very excited for that. So many different possibilities. Now that I've watched it for a third time, it's like, okay, the killers could be this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, you know, and they could, exactly. yeah, you know, and it's <laughs> like they could, they could come back and do it this way and all these ideas and theories Did going they through my head. help? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Stuff like that. Yeah. And it's funny, now that I've watched it for a third time, um, spoiler, kind of, kind of a spoiler happening. If you guys haven't heard Thanksgiving, lower the volume for a second. Um, there's some parts where the killer is shorter, a little bit shorter looking than the killer in some other scenes. And so it's like, oh, is it a second person? Are there two killers? Or are there three killers? Like, what TF? <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's so good. I just need people to go see it. No one in He's my good. life except for you and just a couple other people have seen it. Like none of my coworkers or mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. So I told my coworkers to go see it. Um, one, one of them did. And she was like, ah, it wasn't good, but it wasn't bad. And I was like, okay, so do you like slasher movies? And she's like, no, not really. Oh, like, oh well then. All right. Well, suck. <laughs> It's a slasher movie, so if you don't like slasher movies, you definitely won't like it. I'm just kidding. They don't suck. They're entitled to their own opinion for sure. But in my opinion, it's one of the better slasher movies that we've had in a very, very long time. I completely agree. Hence why we've seen it collectively five times. <laughs> yep. actually had a dream last night. I saw it for a fourth time. Oh, no I'm way. not even kidding. <laughs> well, maybe it'll happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, well, if you're ready, I will go ahead and dive into the uh, Reddit stories. Do it. Okay. This story comes to us from creepybonfire.com. When you're waiting for our next episode to be released, go check them out. Read, listen, and see what other horror content they have. It's creepybonfire.com. Guys, I highly recommend you go check them out. They got some pretty gnarly stuff. It was Black Friday the day of irresistible deals and crowded stores. But I was drawn to the one place that defied the norm, an abandoned mall on the outskirts of town. It stood desolate, a relic of bustling days long gone. Rumors swirled about the mall. They said it was cursed, haunted by the spirits of trampled shoppers from a Black Friday long past. I laughed at these tales. Ghost stories were for kids, not for a bargain hunter like me. The mall's entrance creaked ominously as I pushed through, Inside, darkness clung to every corner, disturbed by only the feeble beam of my flashlight. I stepped into the terrarium, the silence broken by my echoing footsteps. The air was cold, stale, untouched by time. Cell signs, faded and peeling, hung limply from the stores. Their promises of deals and discounts felt like whispers from another era. 
I wander deeper, drawn by the thrill of exploring this forgotten temple of consumerism. As I passed an old toy store, a faint sound caught my attention. It was a giggle, soft, childlike. My heart raced. There was no one else here, or was there? I shook off the fear, attributing the sound to my imagination. I continued my curiosity, leading me to once was an electronic store. Its shelves were bare, but in the center lay a single, dusty television set. It flickered to life as I approached. The screen showed them all, vibrant and alive, filled with people. But their faces, their faces were twisted in horror, running from something unseen. I felt a chill run down my spine. This was impossible. Suddenly, the screen switched to a live feed of me standing in the store. A voice, distorted and chilling, whispered something from the TV. Join us. I turned, ready to flee, but stopped dead in my tracks. The mall was no longer empty. Figures stood in the shadows, their eyes hollow, their mouths gaping. They whispered in unison, Join us. Join us. Join us. Join us. In panic, I ran, their whispers chasing me through the dark corridors. I burst out of the mall, gasping for air, the night suddenly feeling warmer safer. But the horror wasn't over. My phone vibrated, a notification for a Black Friday sale at the abandoned mall. The image attached showed the crowd inside, and there, among the twisted faces, was mine. Eyes hollow, mouth agape. I looked back at the mall. It was silent, dark, abandoned, but I knew better. I was part of it now, part of the Black Friday that never ends. Ooh, I like that one. That's a solid, good, short, scary story. Yep, nailed it. So good. Author nailed it. That's what happens when you go Black Friday shopping on a Thursday after you (laughs) eat dinner. (laughs) Yeah, man, there were days where there were some Black Friday deals where I completely skipped out on Thanksgiving. And I would go to the store at like noon, even earlier on Thanksgiving Day. But that was way before they did their online deals. So Yeah. But those were the days. <laughs> <laughs> I was so glad that skipped my generation. <laughs> Not calling you old or anything. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think we had a couple of years where everything just moved online and that's how it is now. Fair enough. Okay, this next this next one was posted on R slash true scary stories. And it is titled, or excuse me, it was posted by Glittering-Return316, and it is titled, He Told Me I Will Always Remember Where You Live. I will admit, at my age of 47, I am afraid of the dark. Therefore, if I am home alone at night, I can get a little nervous. I am married with a 12-year-old daughter. We live in a single-level home on a dead-end street. Thankfully, we do not have a basement or garage, just a house. We live close to our neighbors, too, so usually I always feel safe. This incident happened last month. My husband and daughter went on an overnight Cub Scout camping trip. I stayed behind because I had to work the next day. So they left the house at 5 p.m., and I was looking forward to being all alone, watching reality TV shows, eating a nice steak meal. I settled on the couch and enjoyed a nice, quiet dinner. Around 6.30 p.m., I see a shadow walk by my front room window. It moved fast. I assumed it was something innocent, like a branch or bird, so I ignored it and continued watching my show. Another two minutes go by, and again, 
A quick shadow goes by the same window. This time, I paused the show and got up to check it out. I didn't want to go outside, so I just looked out the window. I didn't see anything. I then heard a scratching sound at my front door. I thought, okay, what is going on? I know we have stray cats around the neighborhood, but they don't scratch the door. We also have raccoons, but then again, they do not scratch at the door as well. They just run in the backyard and look for food, which we do not have back there. I decided to check and make sure my doors were locked. Thankfully, all of them were. As I walked from the back of the house to the front, out of the corner of my eye, I see someone standing at my glass sliding door that leads to the side of the house. I looked at him, and he was just looking back at me. No expression. Then he creepily lifted his arm and waved to me. I just froze, my heart racing. What the hell do I do now? I ran to the front room where I was watching TV and grabbed my phone to call 911. I then heard him trying to pry the glass door open. After a few tries, he started banging on the glass. I told the dispatcher to please hurry. Someone is trying to break in. She told me to remain calm. The police are on their way. Right, stay calm. How? Someone is trying to break in and possibly kill me. I ran to the kitchen and grabbed the biggest knife I had, and I just sat in a corner and waited. I couldn't run out the front door to the car. He would have seen me and gotten me. He then walked to the kitchen window and tapped on it. What he said to me will always remain in my memory. He smiled and said, I will always remember where you live. Finally, the cop showed up and he took off. He didn't wear a mask, but I remembered his face and what he wore. I gave all the details to the police and they took a report. So far, he has not been caught. I told my husband what happened and he changed the locks. Since this has happened, I cannot sleep. Any little noise wakes me. I have nightmares about him breaking in and just standing over my bed watching me sleep. I am thinking of getting some therapy to help me get over this. Um, how about instead of therapy, you move. Just move. <laughs> get out. Do you disclose that to the new people purchasing your home? You're like, hey, just so you know, um, we're moving because this guy said that he'll always remember this house. And so you might have a break in, but no biggie. No biggie. Um, <laughs> probably should just yeah just move i wouldn't say anything (laughs) so i can get that sale get that money (laughs) right yeah that one creeped me out having watched oxygen like snapped on oxygen Uh pretty much all my life growing up um being broken into was like one of my biggest fears as a kid because Mm -hmm. of the windows that we had i was always scared that someone would just break in and someone was always out to murder me for some reason. I think I was traumatized by those shows when I was like five and definitely should not have been watching them. Yeah. But you do know someone did break in. I know. Okay. And also <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's another story. That's another story. That that did happen. But another day. <laughs> okay. This is my third story. Last one until we jump over to you. This one was posted in r slash scary stories. And it was posted by independent-bite3885. This story is titled, First Experiment. My organization isn't known by anyone apart from those who work for me. I'm not able to say what exactly we do, but I can document the events that happened uh, with this unfortunate person who was simply in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
Cynthia Marie Smith, 57-year-old environmental economist. She was simply doing some bird watching in the nearby woods. I hope she found some interesting things. I know I did. Obviously, we had done some research on her before conducting everything. She's 5'9", weighs 152 pounds. Her blood type is O negative and has no allergies or diseases that we needed to be concerned about. My workers, Una and Cole, approached her at around 4.47 a.m. They pretended to be lost hikers. They even had a map and asked if Cynthia could give them directions. While she was distracted, trying to give Cole instructions, her fingers pointed towards certain spots on the map. Una came up behind her and used her own binoculars to strangle her, causing her to pass out. 8.38 a.m. They make it back to the destination. We get rid of Cynthia's binoculars, water bottle, and her backpack. In her backpack wasn't anything but her phone, some trail mix, and a Polaroid camera. We burnt all of it. Can't have anyone trying to trace her. 8.50 a.m. Cynthia wakes up, tied to a hospital bed. Her original camouflage shirt and cargo shorts swapped out for a hospital gown. Her hands and feet are bound to the bed, and her heart rate speeds up as shown on the heart monitor when she realizes she is no longer in the woods. Would she rather we left her in the woods to be nibbled on by wolves and rabid animals? I could have done that and just gone on with someone else, but I had already spent hours watching her every move, and that would just be a waste. 9 a.m. I tried to explain to Cynthia that what we're doing is for her own good. She's a frail woman who's getting old with age. Best not to frighten her too much. In order to make her comfortable, I offer her some clean drinking water. She accepts, hesitantly, her throat being sore from all the strangling. I examine the bruises around her neck. They're not too severe. They'd be gone in a day or two. 9.35 a.m. I come back in wearing my surgical mask and my rubber gloves, an injection in hand. Cynthia tries to struggle against her restraints, but it's no use. I inject her with a serum that's supposed to make her skin less sensitive to heat but instead her skin begins to burn and she cries out. Oddly enough, the smoke detectors went off. It was as if something had been set on fire, but there, were, there was no smoke or any fire. Interesting. 10 a.m. I put some aloe vera medication onto Cynthia's burn wounds. Maybe she didn't have the right skin type. Oh well, that doesn't matter now. 10.25 a.m. It's time for the official procedure to take place. It's a risky one, as it involves drilling holes into poor Cynthia's skull. But I'm sure it'll be fine. The surgeons here are more than qualified. 11 a.m. The surgery was somewhat of a success. Unfortunately, as they were drilling holes into her, parts of her skull cracked and chipped, causing a rather severe brain bleed. We were able to stop the bleeding, but the damage had been done. She was 79% brain dead. She remembered her name and how old she was, but she couldn't remember how to breathe or eat. So, we had to hook her up to ventilators and had to feed her through IV. 12.02 p.m. There she is, her left arm covered in blistering burns, hooked up to all sorts of machines. However, now, she had two very elegant antlers protruding from her forehead. How majestic indeed. It's like tusk. Have you seen Tusk? No, but I, uh, yeah, I understand the, okay. the general. Yeah. Yeah. And it's pretty messed up. <laughs> yeah. That's like antlers. <laughs> what well, What's his name? The actor's name is it Jonathan Tyler or? Justin Long. Justin Long. Yeah. 
if you see a horror movie with Justin Long in it, you just know he's not going to survive. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good way to put it. <laughs> Barbarian. Yeah. Um, oh, spoilers Jeep- for anyone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Spoilers. Jeepers Creepers. That's not a spoiler. If you haven't seen Jeepers Creepers. What's wrong with what's you? What's wrong with you? Man, poor Cynthia. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Those are my three stories for today. Those were all so good. Good job. Thank you. Um, before Tessa starts her story, just want to let everyone know that any images that we have associated with our stories today, we will post those on our Instagram. If you would like to um, write in to us a story, you are more than welcome to do so. They can be completely made up. They can be true. As long as they're spooky, we'd love to read them. You can email those to us at SpookySoupPodcast801 at gmail.com or DM those to us on our Instagram. All righty. You ready for this story? I'm ready. So there's a ghost hunting club at my fiance's work, which, first of all, I'm super jealous. And of all the clubs to join, that would be the club for me. The ghost hunting club recently went on an adventure to the Benson Grist Mill, and we were invited to go, but unfortunately we couldn't make the trip out there because we had had some other stuff clashing at the time. Where where is this? It's out in Tooele. Okay, gotcha. So another Utah story? Another Utah story. (laughs) So that being said, I'd never really looked into the Benson Grist Mill before, and I was super intrigued to find out everything I could about it, Considering that it's been featured on Ghost Adventures, is a staple landmark of Utah, and the Ghost Hunting Club was going to spend a night out there. The Benson Grist Mill was established in 1854 by none other than Ezra T. Benson, who was an early apostle for the LDS Church. Ezra first arrived in Salt Lake City sometime between July 21st and July 24th of 1847, And if you don't believe me when I always say that the early Utah days are the epitome of the wild, wild west, Ezra's son, Charles Augustus, or better known as Charlie Benson, found himself in quite the predicament when he killed a man in Logan, Utah. And this is just a side note, but I'm going to dive into it because I think the history is interesting. Around 1869, a man named William Perry was attending a dance in Malad, Idaho, when the son of the apostle I mentioned earlier, Charlie Benson, entered the dance. Now, Charlie had a feud between himself and another man involved with the dance, and as such, Charlie was asked to leave the old log dance hall. On his way out, he fired a shot through the door, which landed in the innocent man, William Perry's leg. Charlie continued firing shots at the people who chased after him, and he hopped on his horse, which he kept in a bar near, nearby, and eventually escaped back to Logan, Utah. William Perry, who had nothing to do with Charlie, was just an innocent bystander and happened to be shot through the door. He died that night, bleeding out at home in front of the fireplace. It's said that his blood stained the stones on the ground so much that they had to be overturned, as his blood could not be removed, no matter how hard they scrubbed at him. Whoa. And due to Perry's murder, Charlie was wanted for five years in Malad, Idaho. During that time, he had established himself as a man with a nasty temper who was known for exploding on a dime, and his neighbors complained that he would shoot their chickens for fun. After five years passed since Perry's death, Charlie was in another altercation in Logan, Utah, where he murdered another man. And by this point, the people had enough, and a mob gathered to hang Charlie to death. And as it turns out, 
no one was held accountable for his lynching. Essentially, his reputation was so bad that the law in Logan said, who gives a damn, let the man hang. <laughs> wow. Which, by the way, death by hanging is not a fast event like you see in the movies. You just don't suddenly drop and die. Hanging is designed to cause your neck to break, which then snaps the upper cervical spine. In some cases, being hanged can cause what's known as an internal decapitation, where the head is severed from the neck due to the sheer force of dropping and the tightening of the rope. But your skin stretches just enough to keep the outer shell of you together. So if you were to see an x-ray of someone who has experienced this, they would be decapitated internally but kept together externally. In other situations, the fall can be so great that the rope completely decapitates the hanged, as seen with the hanging of Saddam Hussein's half-brother when they were hanged at the gallows. Death by hanging usually takes about three to five minutes. In rare cases, the hanged may die due to cardiac arrest before complete asphyxiation from the intense terror they may be experiencing during that three to five minute time frame. Anyways. That doesn't have much to do to the, with the story, but it's just a little side note that I thought was interesting. And I've never understood why movies cannot, for the life of them, display what being hanged is like accurately. The people in, like, Pirates of the Caribbean just, like, fall, you know, and then they're, like, on to the next people, stuff like that. Probably because it's Disney, you know, trying not to make it so gruesome. Uh, good point. <laughs> <laughs> but I understand. <laughs> So anyways, back to the man of the hour, Ezra T. Benson, the father of that man who was lynched. In 1854, Ezra was ordered by Brigham Young, who was the LDS church president at the time, to construct a grist mill in the Tuella Valley. The goal was to establish the Tuella area as a pioneer settlement. And if you don't know what a grist mill is, like I didn't know, it's just a mill that grinds different types of grain. The old mill was made of wood and stone, using careful craftsmanship from the Lee brothers who oversaw its construction. It neighbored the tannery and the sawmill in Lake Point, Utah, which sits on the edge of Tooele County. Ezra became the sole owner of the mill in 1866, and he purchased the grounds from Brigham, from Brigham Young for exactly $3,333.33. <laughs> the grounds were prime real estate. We're talking sheep sheds and corrals, space for hens and pigs, and water rights. The mill operated until the 1940s, producing ground wheat and corn by the ton. From the 1940s until 1983, the mill stood tall and vacant, watching the surrounding area be built up into a town. Over those 40 years, the building started to fall victim to natural circumstances. If you look up old pictures from the time it was unoperational, you can see through the large gaps between the old beams the grass was super overgrown, and the windows were either missing or broken. In 1983, a restoration committee acquired the land and its historical landmark and rebuilt the mill piece by piece and restored it to its former glory. The beams were fully secured, new windows were put in, and the grounds were kept. But looking back at the old pictures, it makes sense why locals would start to call the old Benson Grist Mill one of the most haunted places in Utah. After all, a building named the most significant landmark between Salt Lake City and Reno, Nevada has got to have some intense history attached to it. 
According to Only in Your State, there are two main ghosts most commonly seen and heard by paranormal enthusiasts who dare walk the grounds at night. The first is a little girl named Alice who's believed to have drowned in the mill pond. The second, more malicious ghost, is rumored to have been a mill worker. They say he's aggressive and you're lucky if you don't encounter him. People report seeing shadowy figures in the mill even when no one else is there. There are numerous reports of poltergeist activity, misty figures, full-body apparitions, and even an ex- unexplainable red mass has been captured on photographs on the outside of the building. A local ghost hunting group claims to have even captured a mysterious male voice saying hello during a recording session. The consensus is that people who visit Benson Grist Mill feel an overwhelmingly dark energy when wandering the old building and its grounds. Now, you might be wondering, why is this one mill in particular haunted? Well, to be honest, I'm wondering that too. (laughs) I couldn't find any actual reports of people dying inside the mill. What I did find, however, were stories of hostile land disputes between Native Americans and pioneer settlers around Tuwela. Of course, as mentioned in previous episodes, this happened frequently in the early days of Utah's founding, could be a driving force behind the dark energy felt at many of the state's notoriously haunted locations. Take Leslie's Family Tree Restaurant, for example. That local haunt sat on the grounds of the Black Hawks War for years. Another story I happened upon was of a fatal head-on collision that happened close to Grist Mill, where three teenagers died in 2009. Other than that, if death happened inside of the mill, it hasn't been widely reported, at least not in the digital age. The most damning piece of evidence was of a girl named Alice Irene Solomon, who drowned in the nearby reservoir in 1920. The water from this reservoir was used to power the sawmill, the tannery, and the gristmill. Alice was just five years old when she drowned. Her hat was found floating in the water, and her body was later recovered from the pond. That reservoir was essential for Utah's early economic growth. It powered the gristmill, the sawmill, and the tannery. It also served as a halfway point for travelers. The brother of Brigham Young, Lorenzo Young, built a large white brick home on the water's edge. Of his six wives, he had two of his wives stay at the Mill Pond home and run it like a bed and breakfast for travelers. I imagine they encountered many strange things considering that people from all over the place stayed at their home. Gypsies, Native Americans, and many more a traveler stayed in the home and swam in the very same pond where Alice drowned, but it is now divided by a dam which SR-138 runs across. When diving into Utah's dark history, you're bound to encounter endless tales of murder, the law turning a cheek, and thrilling stories told in the sands of the desert. Benson Gristmill is no exception to the fantastical retellings of old traditions. Perhaps the drowning of poor Alice morphed into a warning from parents to wandering children. Perhaps worldwide travelers brought stories with them and left some behind that stayed attached to the lore of the gristmill. I say that we make a trip out there this winter, and maybe if we're lucky, we'll also see Alice and the old mill worker. I would love to. So say when. (laughs) So is it a place that we can... Like, is it open to tourists, or is it like an abandoned building? Or yeah. Know? So since it was fully restored, they even excuse me, they even brought 
old buildings to it, like a blacksmith's home. Oh, okay. Like some original old buildings. So, yeah, it's totally a tourist tr- attraction. You can go there. I did look on Google. It says it's temporary, temporarily closed. So we'll have to keep an eye out, see when it opens. Mm. Okay. Spooky. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. But that ghost hunting group did get to go. So I wonder if you call or something. They let you walk around. I don't know. We'll have to find out. Man, unfortunate you guys going to go. I know. Missed out. <laughs> I wanted to so bad. It just didn't work out. Yeah. All good. Good story. Good good history. It's not super scary. Um, I will say that in all the research, I was expecting to find something like mill workers' arms ripped off by a giant grinding stone mm-hmm. <laughs> or something. But I couldn't find anything. And the pond where it happened, where Alice drowned, I think that's the where all of the stories come from mm-hmm. about Alice. I mean, like Zach Bagans talks about Alice on Ghost oh. Adventures. Oh, did they film an episode there? Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I'll have to watch the episode. Yeah. Right on. But I'll be honest, there's not a lot of death that I could find on the grounds. It's just the surrounding area that had a lot of weird stuff happen. Oh, that's funny. So it's like the hub for all the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the epicenter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Good to know. Well, if you guys are in Utah and you want someplace spooky to go, there you go. Check it out. Yeah. Old Grist. Oh, sorry. Old Benson Grist Mill. There you go. Cool. Well, do you have anything else for us today? That's it for me. All right, guys. We'll scare you in the next one. Stay spooky. Bye. <laughs>